This is the NROI Podcast, your source for factual information for USPSA and SCSA competition. This podcast is brought to you by the National Range Officers Institute, United States Practical Shooting Association, and Steel Challenge Shooting Association. Goal rule books can be found at uspsa.org slash rules, scsa.org slash rules, and on the USPSA and SCSA apps available in your Apple App Store and Google Play Store. All rates for this podcast are reserved. No portion of this podcast may be used or redistributed without written permission from the Director of the National Range Officers Institute. Rules discussions on this podcast do not constitute an official ruling. The discussions on this podcast are meant to inform and educate. The only official rulings are published as per the bylaws of the United States Practical Shooting Association. Questions about rules should be emailed to rules at uspsa.org. This is episode 33, recorded late April 2023. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the NROI podcast. Thanks for joining us. Um, as usual this evening, I have Troy McManus with us. Good evening, Troy. Evening. And Jody Human. Good evening, Jody. Evening. And we have a special guest tonight. Uh, Jake Martins is with us this evening. Good evening, Jake. Thanks for having me on, guys. And we also have Adam Maxwell, who works for Vortex as an account manager and who's helping ramrod the multi-gun match this year, uh, USPSA multi-gun up in the upper Midwest. So good evening, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. And we'll talk about some of the other things you're engaged in that might be of interest to folks as well. So uh, as usually, I throw it to Troy at first. So Troy, take it away. Yeah. Well, thanks I, for listening, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably how they like it. Obviously, the, the assassins have gotten Troy. Yeah. Um, put him on mute. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us, uh, Adam and, and Jake. And I thought it would be a good opportunity since the Area 5 2 gun is coming up. And that was sort of in the forefront of my mind, uh, reviewing the stages and, and going back and forth via email with you and Jay Hollingsworth, the other match director. And then the USPSA Multi-Gun Nationals to follow in July at Forest Lake. So I thought we might get a little bit of a a push for both matches. I thought we might get a little bit of insight into what your ideas, your concept is for both of those matches and talk a little bit about USPSA rules, maybe why we have them, maybe what we could change, uh, something like that. So let's get started. Okay. um, Well, I mean, like when uh, when we got selected to host multi-gun nationals um, last year uh, for this year, uh, one of the things that kind of came about out of that, we've been doing a um, a an outlaw three-gun match in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin State Three-Gun Championship. Um, and uh, in kind of getting on board with, with um, getting – more vigor in the multi-gun sports in USPSA. Uh, one of the ideas we had was to kind of run our, our traditional annual match has been going on for four years now uh, as a USPSA match. And then uh, one of the things we were also looking at just kind of taking, uh, taking the, the direction of the wind. Um, we'd had a lot of pistol shooters express interest in multi-gun, but they were, held up at not wanting to shoot shotguns. So we thought we would get some crossover from a very active USPSA pistol community into a two gun match. 
So we decided to try our hand at a two-gun multi-gun match, a, a rifle pistol match proper, um, and um, and see if that has legs on it because other organizations have been trying that other parts of the country and whatnot. So um, we wanted to uh, give that a try. And then um, as as the Wisconsin State Championship had matured, it really it really represents a regional match because we have really strong draw from Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, uh, the Michigan Mafia is there. Um, so we, we decided it really represented more of an area match. And so that's why we, we applied, uh, to have it as a, as a level three area five multi-gun match. Great. Yeah. I, I think that the, the two gun concept, the rifle pistol concept is a good one. Um, I'd really like to see if we could push that more across the country. Um, I think a lot of people own AR style rifles and would be, you know, happy to shoot them, fun to shoot them. A little mm-hmm. bit different than PCC pistol because of the difference in calibers and the ability to reach out a little further. I think it's a heck of a good concept. I'd I'd love to go shoot it, but unfortunately, Jake has me tied down setting up for Carry Optics National. So, uh, you don't have to proof the stages until like Wednesday. That's right. You I know that we could as- <laughs> we could assign this and just drive up and shoot the match and drive back down. Uh, yeah. Delegation's the key, <laughs> right? That might work. Might we might not have a match to come back to, but <laughs> so looking at the, I'll, I'll at supervise the, stages, the crew. That'd be no problem. Yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna let Jody crack the whip. You're gonna be the the company man, uh, tool pusher on that job. Yeah, I'll be the uh, responsible adult. but i think um one of the things about it though like um that i kind of picked up and when we all started talking behind the scenes was that um i mean the framework for this kind of thing has been in uspsa for a long time like that there were no significant changes to the rule book that like all of a sudden this is a thing like it's been there for a while and and uspsa's response to us was always like we're we're happy to embrace that we just need a club to host it so um I think part of it is is a lot of a lot of folks express an interest in this kind of match and it gets held up at the well who's gonna do one um right. and there's a lot of there's a lot with a lot of things in our sport like nobody wants to be the first um and so that's kind of why we're we decided to stick our neck out and give it a try um and um yeah we're essentially it's it's uh it's a multi-gun match without shotguns so if you if you look into the rule book uh, all the multi-gun divisions are recognized there's just not going to be any shotgun shotgun targets so uh we'll have open tactical limited modified heavy limb if you're into that uh heavy optic uh, anything that has you know 10 participants or more right. we, we can do so you know there's the the full gamut of equipment that's going to be available too um, to try and like I say, hopefully kind of expose, um, some new, new aspects of the format that haven't really been explored before. This is also, um, kicking off the provisional modified division in USPSA multi-gun format will be the first match to run that. You know, I didn't think about that, but that is, that is correct. So yeah. And essentially for those who aren't familiar, modified would essentially be uh, your quintessential um, uh, tack optics rifle. So one magnified optic on a on a uh, 
a 5.56 pattern uh, rifle with a, essentially a carry optics or a limited optics legal pistol uh, would, would be the combination for modified in the two-gun match. It's essentially carry optics of multi-gun where yeah. you you have a, an optic on a pistol that's not an open gun, so no no compensator, no 170-millimeter mag, um, but you can have uh, a slide-mounted optic on any type of carry optics or the limited optics format, and your rifle is essentially an AR that most people have with a single modified or uh, magnified optic on it. But you can have a bipod on it. Yep, that's correct. I don't know yeah, if you'll you get can... much use out of a bipod at this particular match, but hey, bring it with. If it's right. attached, just leave it on there. Yeah, just leave it on there. Yeah, so oh, essentially a limited gun with an optic and your flashlight is good to go. You can shoot all that, keep the magwell on it. If you already yep. have a carry optics gun, then fire away, right? Yep. You, can add, you can add a magwell to your carry optics gun for this. Um, and then as far as uh, holster and everything, it follows the uh, limited rules um, with the 140 millimeter mag. Right. So you can have your just, retention holster and all that. Just remember, if this is your first two-gun multi-gun match, make sure that you, you want some tension retention on your holster. Yes. <laughs> Don't be like two people on my staff squad at Two-Gun Nationals last year where they usually shoot just USPSA and they usually just, their Kydex holsters, they just drop the gun in. There's no clicking. There's no friction. And as they were running with their PCC, their pistol decided to jump out of the holster. So in this, in multi-gun, you want some, you know, you want the gun to kind of have to click into the holster a little bit. Yeah, realistically, in the multi-gun side, um, the, uh, like the Safariland ALS holsters mm -hmm. or uh, the various iterations of uh, spring-loaded hood holsters are pretty much most common yeah. um, throughout that, for that specific reason. most. Most uh most people in my circles that have have said, oh, I don't need a retention holster, said that right up to the day they got DQ'd for that thing falling out of their holster and went and bought a retention holster the next week. Um, exactly. But uh, and there's a lot of good ones out there on the market now. I mean, the law enforcement market supplies you know, supplies a ton of good holsters out there. So, um, it's yeah. it's you know, it's easy to do, and they don't hold you back a whole lot. I was going to say, if you are on the USPSA side and you're running like a GX products that's got the the hinge that's on there, that's pretty good. Uh, Weber Tactical has a new version that's out there if you don't want to go to a full-on retention or with a hood. But Comtech has a whole line that they have out there now um, that's available. And those are usually readily available within a couple of days to get it shipped to you versus um, sometimes if you're not able to find it in stock on Safari Land's website or some of the other ones, it takes a little bit, but uh, Weber Tactical and Comtac have those holsters that are not as expensive as some of the other retention ones that are out there. I mean, I shot two gun nationals with my open gun and my double alpha race holster. I just locked it <laughs> if it was not the first gun I was using. Uh, but it does slow you down when you reholster. So it can be done. I don't recommend yep. it. <laughs> and generally speaking, multi-gun isn't, multi isn't won and lost in the draw. 
Um, so whereas USPSA, I think can be, or, you know, you're fighting, I mean, if you're fighting for hundreds of seconds in USPSA, I think you're fighting for tenths in multi-gun just because the stages are incrementally longer. I mean, there's, right. there's usually more than 32 rounds of shooting because you're shooting two guns. Um, and then there's a, there's a transition or an abandonment abandonment in there. Um, so that's where, um, uh, a lot of multi-gunners are willing to give up, you know, five hundredths on their draw or a 10th on their draw, um, to make sure they stay in the match because they're not, you're not winning and losing the match in, in the draw. And a lot of times drawing your pistol isn't the first thing you're going to do. So, right. Most multi-gunners that I know, they try to shoot everything with, shoot the stage with as few pistol shots as possible because some of them admit they're not very good with the pistol. <laughs> but um, yeah, that really depends on match structure. Cause um, yeah. there was, there was an iteration of, um, of option targets and that's still, that's still alive. Um, but for a while there, like we didn't quite, we didn't quite know uh, what Pandora's box we'd opened in allowing option targets. <laughs> and so um, a lot of people, they would like hose like three quarters of the match with their pistol because they would just save a save a transition. Uh, right. So that that can go both ways for sure, because it's a lot easier to load 23 rounds into a pistol than eight rounds into a shotgun. So, oh, for sure. Shotgun, so some, shotgun's what I hate when I shoot multi-gun. So, yeah. So, so some of the differences, because some of the questions that you've been getting and I've gotten some is that um, this is not pcc correct um, this Probably is first, first yeah it's uh as you refer to it it is centerfire rifle bottleneck yeah um, bottleneck rifle cartridges right which changes a little bit in the structure in that it is all the divisions but also um it changes up uh where on the pistol pcc side when we ran that a nine millimeter hole is a nine millimeter hole, which made the stage design um, somewhat cumbersome to make sure the RO was following that the right target was getting engaged with the right firearm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was one of the things that was kind of a, a failure point in the pistol PCC nationals that we tried because it made the stages very, very cumbersome. Um, like the first year we did it, you basically, you went around the horn with the PCC and then you transitioned to the pistol and went around with the pistol. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, and it was because of figuring out which target was getting engaged with which gun. This, you don't have that problem um, because right. obviously the holes are going to be different. Um, uh, but it, and it, it still, it still allows a lot of options though. Yep. So like targetry wise also, um, and this is going to be consistent across both matches. A, um, a USPSA a torso target is going to be a pistol target and a, an IPSC turtle target is going to be an option target. And then um, uh, USPSA mini targets are rifle only targets. So we're going to we're going to standardize which targets to be engaged with which which platform uh, throughout the match as well. I like that you're using the mini targets for the rifles. Yeah, the yeah half size, it's a good rifle target. Yeah, those are excellent. And we're so, doing hit factor too. Um that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting because most, you know, nowadays most multi guns time plus. So Right. 
since since that Daniel Horner came in and went won with his 300 blackout, um, I think that would probably be the inspiration for the rule that said multi gun with shotguns had to be time plus. We realized uh, after we submitted the stages, we realized that that meant we could do hit factor with with two gun. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I work at you know at, at Vortex Optics, um, so there's we're surrounded by rifle nerds, uh, so. <laughs> For a solid day, we had a lot of fun with the idea of recognizing Major, um, and it was a it was a great day. But then we realized that <laughs> we would upset a ton of people. <laughs> we we had we had the we had the the twenty inch three hundred blackouts like added to cart, and we were about to send it. Um, but then we realized that we were going to make everyone mad. So um, what we're going to do is we're doing hit factor, but for the small small pattern division so open tack limited and modified we're just we're just going minor across the board and then um if if there's a, a heavy contingent then heavy will be scored major i can imagine the cuz i've been up to the vortex edge and met the guys up there so i can imagine the fun that you guys had back in your little mad laboratory of trying to figure oh, out were, that stuff phone calls to hornady they were ready to load the ammo for us it was we were we were ready to go i was like oh but like i mean i was i was shooting a lot of limited um uh in pistol uspsa i was shooting limited at the time so i had i had my my sweet 40 load like all set to go i was like oh man i could just roll this right in there but um but 300 blackout and 300 blackout like straight out of the box doesn't make major you have to kind of, of doctor it a little bit. And same with 762 by 39 uh, Russian. It can be done, but it's it's not, you're not just going to the, you're not just going to Cabela's and, and buying that ammo. And then of course you'd have to run a chrono stage to verify all that. So, um, but man, it was, it was fun to think about. <laughs> 20 inch barrel blackouts. Yeah. Yep. Those, that, that's easy to move around on a stage and dump. Yep. One eight twist. That was <laughs> Man, you guys had it down to a little science, didn't you? <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think JP even still has some of the barrels from back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the modified division uh effective for the two gun and also for the okay. multi-gun match. Uh you were kind of instrumental in helping us get the uh, division rules kind of squared away on that from the original um, kind of messed up uh, description that we had for shotgun length, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I appreciated that common sense approach. So I think we've got that in there, in there, right. Um, as far as the shotgun requirements, uh, 13 at the start signal, there's no real length limit on it. Um, so preload 12, Rack one in it, uh, you know, add one in when, when you get make ready and then you're good to go. So uh, I think that division is going to work out well. It was also giving us a good a good uh, place to put limited optics guns uh, in case the provisional limited optics wasn't approved by the board. So uh, that did get approved, but still it was a, it was a good shot to start putting those guns in. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen solid interest in it over the last. I mean, I would say on the multi gun side, it's been a three year movement or so on uh, mm-hmm. how to integrate those guns, if to integrate those guns, what divisions put them in. 
Um, we started uh, in one outlaw match. We, we, or I, I, I tried to uh, slaughter the sacred calf and just say that we were going to put optics, pistols, and tack optics. And that, by 10 out of 10, do not recommend that approach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> people were very angry. Very people were very, people were very angry yes. about that. <laughs> and so, um, so yeah, so we, we essentially made a new division and I mean, I, I would predict within five years, uh, tech optics would go the, go the way of, of, uh, production. But, um, you know, I, I've kind of learned through that whole experience that you kind of have to, you have to make the new pasture before you, before you chase all the cows over there. <laughs> um, so, and you know, that's kind of, that's kind of my answer to a lot of folks when they get excited about the limited optics stuff too, is like, um, you know, you can't, you can't change people's favorite thing. You have to make a new thing. And then when everybody or a sizable majority chooses that, well, then you can talk about consolidating the stuff behind it. And I think that's probably what we're going to see with modified. Um, like right now, right now there's more people signed up for modified than there is for tech. Um, and tech optics has been the largest, most prevalent division in the sport for 20 years. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a big deal that, that open is the biggest division and modified is the second biggest division. Like that says quite a bit about the, the direction that the membership wants to go with the sport. Well, I think it's like what we've been seeing in USPSA competition is the optic divisions are becoming bigger and bigger. And yeah. I think it's, it's like with most people like me, I'm, you know, I'm over 40 and presbyopia sitting in and, and I had bad eyes to begin with that I like dots, you know, it wasn't until I started shooting carry optics that I realized how much dots were good for my shooting. And oh, yeah. I think a lot of the, po- the population we have, you know, aging members and then, or people with vision problems or people just realize they shoot better with a dot. Yep. And so that's why those divisions are becoming popular. And I think also there's, there's something to be said with that. I mean, cause I'm in that same thing I'm 50 years old and I started really um, shooting the dot. It's probably been about four years now. Um, and transitioning back to iron sights is kind of difficult, but you're seeing a large group of new people come in. The number one division on the USPSA side where new people came in was carry optics and they're younger and they've grown up playing video games with, you know, dots. the dots on pistols and video games, and the industry as a whole. Um, you know, I mean, Adam, you can obviously speak to this, but just talking to the manufacturers out there of the firearm side of it, that there's not going to be a gun in the next two years that's not optics ready. Just as the manufacturers continue to move forward. Oh, hundred percent. Um, especially like on the retail side, um, they'll tell you that, that, uh, they can sell an optics ready pistol to someone who wants irons, but the, the inverse doesn't work. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're probably rapidly, we're certainly rapidly moving towards pistols, just being optics ready out of the box. We're probably also moving rapidly towards, um, iron sights being uh, an option that you have to spec if you really want them you know, uh, in the, the not too distant future, like a, like a manual transmission on a car. Exactly. 
Yep. Yeah, I, I saw I saw a meme the other day that said iron sights are the manual transmission of the firearms world. Exactly. <laughs> and and iron rifle sights are even more so. Oh yeah. Right. And this is nothing. I mean, this happened with rifles in the eighties and nineties. Yep. The the iron sights went away. I mean, it started with the military, started in law enforcement, um, and then gradually went to the civilian market. And I actually think it's more in the civilian market that's now kind of moving towards the military and law enforcement. So this is a little bit reversed um, in that kind of aspect of it. Yeah, well, that's why I hope the board still is considering possibility of adding allowing optics and limited ten. So single stack revolver shooters have a place to I'm shoot. I'm so excited about that division. I already got the gun. Like I can, I'm excited about it because I can shoot basically production with an optic. I'm, I'm like stoked I'm, about it. I'm a 1911 guy, so I'm yeah, I'm yeah, all about that, that too. I can it's shoot fun. my 1911s with an optic. Yeah. So cool. let me take like two minutes to explain this to people as to why um, that was put out there in a survey. And it's it's exactly what Jody just said, and it's exactly what Adam just said, is that um, L10 has very very little participation in it. Um, enough that I could I can make the argument that L10 should just go away, or L10 can become a catch-all for allowing optics that will cover single stacks. That will cover your everyday carry guns. It will cover revolvers that people want to put optics on without having to do any changes to the existing divisions, um, which are kind of legacy divisions that are out there. So just making this one simple change, which is why the survey was there, will be a catch-all for people that have guns that want optics on them that aren't necessarily competitive in limited optics or carry optics or definitely open um and it doesn't really hurt anything as far as that division because quite honestly it's i I can tell you um i actually have it pulled up here it is 1.1 percent or 556 activities so far this year um and activity is a is a is a score is a it's a submitted score i mean it might give that the division reiter- oh yeah yeah the other thing is is that um when adam and i were talking about this last year um is that uh, it will also give people that have firearms that are legal in idpa a place to come and play at uspsa yeah. so they're 10 round 1911s or 10 round wilson uh their new wide body kimber just released a ECX nines. Um, yeah. Can we just release a version of that? Um, they're out there. I talked to Bob Reeves of Nighthawk Customs uh, this past weekend at NRA show. Um, and for a, a size of their company that makes 1911s, over 70% of their guns are being sold as optics ready guns. And I think there's a, also an optic division in ICOR, so those people could come shoot. Yeah. That too. Yeah, there is. And for some of us that live in states like Washington, pretty quickly, revolver is about all we're going to have left. Yeah, pretty much. I was going to ask you if you were oiling up the musket. <laughs> oh, that's already oiled up. That's already oiled up. <laughs> right. 
it's it's ready to rock. <laughs> so looking at uh, the multi-gun, um, multi-gun is going to be at Forest Lake. Um, so so people kind of understand what's going on with multi-gun this year is that we actually contracted an outsourced multi-gun with Adam as the uh, mass director and Forest Lake as the home, uh, the host club for this match um, with our somewhat financial support in there, um, kind of a hybrid mix that we've done this year where we're helping cover uh, the range fees um, and working on the sponsorship stuff of the match. But the match is actually being ran by um, the what do you guys refer to them? Uh, the group up there is the Hawkeye Ignite or Hawkeye yep. Three Gun or something like that. Yep. Okay. Um, Forest Lake has ran uh, the Trigun match. What every year for the last what ten years, twelve years, something like that. Yeah. So there's, um, I guess, two groups that are actually kind of one group, uh, but uh, the Minnesota Three Gun group is is uh, an outlaw three gun club. Um, and they have hosted the, tr- or they run the tri gun, ran the tri gun and, uh, the Nordic Nordic components, uh, shotgun tactical shotgun championship, uh, before that. Um, and then, uh, Hawkeye ignite also started out, um, is, is actually more of a, more of a weeknight league thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, the si- same groups of people are involved in both. Um, but yeah, it's essentially, it's essentially the, uh, the two motorcycle gangs that, that ride at that club, um, that, that do the three gun stuff. Um, but yeah, so people that are used to either the tri-gun, um, or the, uh, tech shotgun championship or, um, the, the Jeff Kirkwall Memorial shoot off, uh, it's the same people that, that run all of those events. Oh, and, and the Wisconsin state state championship. It's the same people that run all those events. Right. And they're just doing it under the USPSA flag um, as a nationals championship. So, so it's uh, for the three gunners that are out there and uh, the members of USPSA. This is a three gun club. It's a three gun area. Um, that was some of the some of the other questions we we've gotten back was is like, wow, what do they host up there? A, a lot of three gun. There's yeah. a lot of three gun that goes on at that club, um, which yeah. is one of the reasons that I was up, you know, last year. Um, with you checking out the range and uh, during the Jeff Kirk World Memorial match that you guys had. Yep. Yep. And uh, I'm like, that's the other thing I like to put out to people too, is a, a big component of us accepting the match um, was that we wanted to use the same people that we've used to uh, facilitate all those matches. So to, for the most part, to the extent that we're able, all those people, you know, they took the time, they went through the CRO class and RO classes um, to, uh, to get the, you know, cause that's always been the challenge with, with the multi-gun nationals was getting enough ROs and CROs to run the match by the, by the rules. Um, and for the most part, we have gotten all the key people that we need, uh, trained up so that we can, can facilitate the match the, uh, the way it's supposed to run. Good. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that match. I, I, reviewed your stages a while back and, and took a look at them and some interesting stuff going on in there. I wanted, I really wanted to bring up the, the pipe targets because that was absolutely <laughs> new to me. And I saw pipes and pipes. I was like, what the heck is a pipe? So I emailed you and you replied and you were quite enthusiastic about them. So tell us what <laughs> pipes are and, and how we deal with that. 
So that would go back to the, uh, the tactical shotgun championship one year. Uh, somebody essentially, they wanted a knockover target, a knockover steel target, um, that, um, was, uh, fair and, and, uh, but challenging. Uh, so somebody, I don't know who, but somebody got the idea to essentially cut like 12 inch sections of six and eight inch water pipe into, uh, into, uh, knockover target. So it's basically exactly what it sounds like a big steel pipe. And it sits on a pedestal, like a, like a KO, uh, steel plate. And those are what you shoot. And we had, um, um, uh, we, we primarily used them for jungle runs in the beginning. Uh, so they'd put them all out in the woods and you'd knock them over. Uh, what's cool about them is because it's a round pipe standing on, uh, I guess standing on edge. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, uh, right. The circular part is is sitting on the pedestal, yeah. uh, so it looks you know it looks like a six or eight inch KO plate, but really the strike face of it it's about half of that because it's round. Right. So so it actually keeps you pretty honest on the marksmanship side, and uh, so it was a very popular target. Obviously very cost effective because it was scrap for somebody somewhere, and um, uh, if uh, if somebody. If somebody shoots them with uh, like a slug or God forbid a pistol or something like that, they pretty much just taco uh, in half and you throw it away and you just, we just cut a new one. Um, right. But then, uh, so that was really popular that year. And then the next year, somebody got the idea that there was a, a thicker version of this pipe. So it went from like quarter inch thick to like three A's. And, yeah. <laughs> and the, the super squad rolled up to the first stage of their match. They rolled up to the jungle run and they're getting them all lined up like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to triple here and, and double there and then bang, bang and, you know, double over there and this and that. <clears throat> so they had it all planned out. First guy went up to shoot. Bang, ding, bang, ding. And things not falling over. Bang, 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 bang. It's not falling over. Well, so he takes his run. They'll go and look, and the pipes are thicker now. And so, yeah. so the whole super squad goes back to the preload table, screws in their full chokes, <laughs> and, and uh, right. And yeah, uh, that yeah. was that was one of the interesting things I thought about it because, uh, like you said, a, a six inch wide or eight inch wide plate. I mean, you get half your pattern on it, you're probably going to knock it over. Yep. But these, you really got to, you really got to seem to put it on it. And I mean, I think that's going to be a good challenge for the shotgun people. Yep. And it's fun. For, for about, oh, they're super fun. We, we love them. There's, I was just out at the club today. There's a, there's a stack of them that's maybe uh, four feet high and 10 feet long of, of pipes that they use. Like we use a lot of them. And, um, uh, the calibration for them, for those that are curious, um, we say that they have to fall over with a, um, a 26 inch Benelli M2 with a light target load, 11, 1150 feet per second, number eights, uh, from a IC choke at the closest it can be shot. So, um, uh, there's a, there's a standardized process for, for calibrating them too and where we place them. Um, but they, they can be a fun and interesting target. Um, cause a lot of times you can see them from various, various distances and depending on, on your load and your choke, um, um, there's various ways to engage them. And, uh, it's also consistent because it's a round pipe, like the strike face is facing you no matter where, 
you see it from. So right. you get a consistent strike face no matter what angle you get it from, too. Yeah, that's another interesting concept in that what, what you said, you can't, it's not like, oh, I got over here and I'm only seeing the edge. You're always going to see the see the pipe. Yep. Well, if we so can make... make an awesome noise, too, when they fall over, too. It's big gong noise when they fall over. <laughs> if we could make pi- uh, pipe-shaped uh, pepper poppers, what do you think? <laughs> well, shoot them from anywhere <laughs> alleg- allegedly some of the thick ones have been shot with pistols before and it didn't really hurt them oh yeah cool i think we were more worried about um spall going yeah. in undesirable directions than uh than hurting the target yeah so i could i could see a uh a, a popper that has like this in the center of it would be pretty interesting yeah, yeah. <laughs> just <a laughs> one big tall cylinder. <laughs> Don't even think about it, Jake. <laughs> no, no, no. You lay the cylinder on its side, so it's just a big hole where the calibration zone is. Even better. <laughs> so, what sort of distance might they be looking at it at Forest Lake? <laughs> for pipe targets or for rifles? No, for rifles. Sorry, for rifles. For rifles. Um, we do have a bay that goes out to 400 yards if you're shooting it from the bench. So you can expect, uh, shots out to like 375. And I would say, um, I think I'll say like 12 engagements over, over a hundred or over, right. over oh, good. Yeah. So we won't be, you won't have the carbine guys dominating the match. You're going to have to have a little bit of long distance uh, proficiency, right? Yep. Yep. A little bit. And of course we don't just let you go prone and shoot at them. We're going to put you in an awkward spot and something that probably moves. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like Smitty, uh, uh, Shannon Smith ran that rope across the platform in Florida years back and it was yep. just there. You could use it or not. And I think the people that elected to use it regretted using it because <laughs> it was pretty wobbly. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> it's yeah. a trap every time. It's a trap. That's right. What you really got to worry about, though, is the the shotgun-only stages. Uh, I was out there at the club today. Uh, it's actually I was actually in the area on business. So I stopped in, and um, one of the club managers there, who's more, he's more uh, in charge of the shotgun sports, but we were uh, we were going over what the aerial presentations would be for stage eleven and twelve, and um, he just he just got back from from a sporting clays um, course design class in New Jersey, so he is all excited about all the cool ways you can you can zing aerial targets, and so we got we got some good ones cooked up, a um, couple couple springing teal shots. And for sure, a rabbit. Uh, rabbit, rabbit is definitely going to be out there. Really? And, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, Adam, we are we are trying to encourage people to come to Multi Gun Nationals. These are yeah. surprises <laughs> that are supposed to be. Kept it's going to be so quiet. cool. <laughs> Shotgun's kind of our thing. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. I need to buy a tube for my shotgun. I'm going to need more ammo. Yeah. I just bought a new shotgun. I got I got a new Super Black Eagle getting all cut up for modified right now. <laughs> wow. That, that reminds me. I did you you gotta give me some advice on a tube for my beretta. So we'll talk about that later. 
Will do. You'll want a long one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> and, the, and the ability to stuff shells into it rapidly. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, too. Like, um, our, we're, we're fairly well known for our long jungle runs. Uh, so a jungle run would be like a shotgun-only stage that has a round count of like 30 to 45. Oh, yeah. Um. Um, and that's partially because of our ranges. Um, so a lot of a lot of the reason that shotgun got so popular and creative up here is um, we don't need a backstop to shoot a shotgun stage. So we can have bays with multi-gun and then we can put a shotgun stage over by the swamp and it's fine. Um, but for this particular match, instead of doing a grand uh, shotgun stage, instead um, we're doing a couple shotgun only speed shoots so these stages 11 and 12 that i'm talking about they're they're very low round count stages but they have they have these technical uh shotgun pieces in or you know aerial presentations so there's there's two aerials or two moving presentations of a frangible target and then there's um six stationary targets in there so it's uh it's more of a speed shoot exercise than a long field course that we're noted for so when people look at this at the mass description they see two shotgun only stages well they're two shotgun only stages but they're small stages um, interesting compared to the the jungle runs that we're we're normally known for right i mean i remember in the early days of uspsa three gun um that type of shotgun stage was was the prevalent stage there was very few long shotgun stages there were a lot of short ones you know a lot of knockdown stuff uh, flying clay here or there but Yep. None of the jungle run type stuff unless, and a lot of it was bay to bay, you know, so you had bay yep. stages with shotgun. Uh, and then it, as the sport evolved and people said, I want to run with my shotgun, I want to load it, I want to shoot a bunch of targets with it, then things changed, right? So you have your jungle run. We did one in uh, South Carolina last year that was very interesting through the woods there. Um, it was more interesting to have to go find the targets and, and reset them because they were all knockover plates and a few clays uh, as opposed yep. to, you know, actually shooting the thing. Cause at that point they were all stood up. You could see them, but when you had to go try to find them, that was kind of a challenge. Yep. The, the short shotgun stages, you know, back in the early nineties and, and on through up, up until about 2000 was all quickie stages, all speed shoot kind of thing. Yep. So I'm glad you what? put a couple like that in there. I think that's a good test. Well, and a lot of a lot of hardcore um, multi gunners really like the shotguns. Like, I think, I think um, the vast majority of people a, a big a big yay or nay on a match as to whether it's a good match or not is how like interesting the shotgun shooting is. Um, so, wanted to preserve that so that it's interesting shotgun shooting, um, and it's not it's not like an also ran. But also, I mean, there was an era in three gun where the match was really decided in the shotgun shooting. And that's not, that was probably good. We got away from that. Um, right. But part of the concept I wanted to do too, um, because the way the USPSA rules are, are structured, um, um, we could make it, we could make it a, um, a 12 stage match. And essentially we have eight big field courses that are going to be you know, your typical uh, three gun stages on on the first two days 
Uh, so all squads will shoot all the field courses on the first two days. And then we have four of these smaller speed shoot type stages or, or more concise stages on the second day. But um, my understanding of the way the rules are structured is that uh, all stages are worth 100 points. So these shorter stages at the end of the match could really change the tide of who's going to win. And we'll all be kind of condensed in a smaller area and a smaller schedule. So we'll be able to, to watch um, watch the final heats come down to the end and, and, uh, and uh, the match be decided on practice score. So you'll get a chance to watch the super squad, uh, you know, make or break on, on the rabbit, on the rabbit shotgun stage or, or something like that. So we'll add an element of uh, excitement and, and spectatorship on there as well. Cool. That sounds Very cool nice. because a lot of times shotgun targets aren't hard to shoot. It's all about how fast you can reload your shotgun. Right. You so know, these, and- these stages are essentially, you have enough shells to hit them all. If you mm-hmm. hit them all. <laughs> and if not, then, uh, you're gonna have to reload, and that that would probably hurt your your score. Yeah, that that sounds like a good idea. Are you gonna have any slugs in the match? Uh, I don't th- no, um, I don't think we put any slugs in the match okay. um, this year. That's kind of the hardest shell to get right now, so we just ah. we kind of foregoed that option. We did, however, I was talking, and we're gonna have a um, a sock a shotgun side side match. Um, they actually have on their five stand course, they can throw what's called a flurry. Right. And so we're going to have uh, a flurry side stage. And, uh, I think we're going to do cash payout on that. So it'll be like, uh, $10 a run and it's going to be $50 or 50%, um, uh, 50% payout on the purse for however many shoot it. And then, um, uh, you'll have plenty of time to shoot that for sure on Sunday. Uh, and probably some of the other days as well. And uh, we may even open up a, uh, a team, a team component of that as well. So you could do a, a two person flurry and you get you know 20 targets or something like that. Um, but uh, we're going to have shotgun side stage as well. That sort of flying clay thing is always interesting to shoot with a competition shotgun. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. That, that ought to be a, a, a good thing. It's been a while since we did, a side event, you know, at any of our nationals is do mostly the timing and space available, but I'm glad to hear that, that there's a, a way to do it here. It gets people out there and gets them messing around and you get a little bit more camaraderie that way, you know? Oh yeah. Yep. Probably a few side bits and things like that. Yep. Yep. We've kind of always side shotgun stages is kind of a, Oh, well I claim it. And I'll claim it as a Midwest thing. Like we always have like one or two, like Trigun always had one or two side shotgun stages um, Mm -hmm. that were, you know, pay to play and you can run them as many times as you want kind of thing on, on uh, your off schedule. So yeah, I was glad we were able to incorporate as well. And it was actually, uh, it was actually their idea. They were telling me about this today. Like, Oh, we should do this. And it was because we were just going to do the original idea was to have the sporting clays uh, course open and do a side match on that. Um, but this right. will be a little bit more condensed and a little bit more action shooting esque. So, right. um, so a yeah. bit more spectator exactly. friendly too. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Good. That's a good idea. I remember, so Adam, <clears throat> sorry about that, Troy, go ahead. I, sorry, I just remember we used to do a shotgun, uh, a couple of shotgun sides at uh, steel challenge. 
and that was always a it was always a thing. You know, we had somebody supplied the shotgun and the shells, and it was pay to play, and like you said, fifty percent back to the winner. And there were a couple of years ago at, in Florida, there were several people that were doing quite well, and I was up in the top of the times too. You know, just having a blast until uh, Jerry Mitchellick wandered over and then cleaned everybody's clock. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> There's nothing to this. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Yeah, he comes walking over. Well, what are you fellas doing over here? Time to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, really, really, it's a public service too because we all know that you got to bring some extra ammunition just in cases. But we also know that the shotgun ammo is the the heaviest and the hardest to fly home with. So here's yeah uh, to, to get it all used up before you have to. That is very generous of you guys yeah, to provide yeah. a way to uh, use it. Very, up. Yeah, you know, we're selfless like that. So. Right. A bunch of givers. That's what you are. That, that's what we yeah. are. You're going to give somebody something. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Adam, you and I have been talking about this, and we, we have the multi-gun committee. We've actually added some folks to it. We're going to start doing some things on there. Hmm? Um, we've had we've had a few things pop up here that's kind of been a little distracting. Um, but on that, one of the things that we've had a conversation about is classification system and multi-gun. Mm-hmm. And yes. you have some stages that you're messing around with at the two-gun match um, yeah. as kind of a test for that. And then one of the other things that we've been talking about is recognized matches and being able to take overall finishes. So um, you've you've obviously done a lot more kind of talking within the community. How is that being received? Um, I think it's being received pretty well. I, I mean, I think the the community has always craved it. Um, you know, why has, why has, you know, USPSA prospered over other pistol only games? I think a big part of that is, is they have this classification system and there's a way to there's a way to test your skills beyond just going to a national so i think there's there's um an interest in in getting you know who is the best and where do i stack up and i think that's really been missing from the sport for quite a while um some other organizations have tried it um and and i always liked it when when um when they did so that was kind of something that always just kind of made sense to me that would should be in the a format um um, and I know that, I mean, there's kind of a void with what Three Gun Nation had going with their classification system. Yep. It, nothing's really taken off in any other direction with any of the uh, other kind of multi-gun disciplines that are out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, United- and we've got the tradition. I mean, we obviously have the infrastructure and we have the tradition of what it looks like. So, yep. yep. UML had it, but the only way you could classify was through match finishes um and i think like especially as a basis to start from um you know major match finishes will at least you know i don't know anybody that would debate whether dan dan horner is a grand master in tack optics um you know the most recent (laughs) of his last eight finishes would would certainly land him there um so i think that makes sense and then you know building out uh the the classifier stages um behind it uh, to to fill out the system because um, there were there were some pretty good stages uh, in the three gun nation system and I think it was 
I think it was good. And that I think that organization went down for for other reasons. It wasn't a failure of their classification system. I think that's one of the things they actually did right. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely. I mean, it's I mean it's something that I chase on the pistol side for sure. Like I I've uh, it's really my motivation to to do well um, on the pistol side is to try and up my classifications. So, um, to, to bring that over to the multi-gun sports is something that, uh, that I'm really excited about. So I can tell you that, um, the, well, it seems like it's been a very difficult process to kind of go through and update some of the multi-gun rules and, and obviously get some of the modified division approved. The board has been very receptive on, let's do something with our multi-gun. And this is kind of, you know, the, the Jake Martin's call to the community is, is that, Hey, we're here, we're listening and we're, you know, we're putting some dollars behind some stuff as well as some effort to, to make our multi-gun something that is uh, well-liked and well-attended and understood by doing some of these different things. Um, So here's two matches that are out there that, your your team has stepped up to say we're here we're trying it um and we're putting some some help behind it as well to see what we can get going on so registration is open for these matches um yep. and it would be great it would be great if we had you know 150 to 200 people in the multi-gun nationals and i think you're wanting about you know 25 to 30 more people so you're at 125 for the two gun um and the other side of that is is that there's a lot of things that you can do with the rule set that's there. And we've fixed some of those things that people in the past would be like, Oh, if you show up to a multi-gun match, you're going to get DQ'd because you can't do this and you can't do that. You can't do this. It, the reality of it is, is like you can do pretty much everything that you can do all the other matches. Just don't sweep people with your firearm. And if you're at the table, there's a preload table for your shotgun. There's a safe area for your handgun if you got to go and do something with that. Other than that, it's all, I mean, you guys did the breakdown. It's what, 95% the same? Yeah. That's, and that's on like, average. That's the biggest thing is like we're all so close together. Like all the different rule books that are used there within, they're within 95% of each other. And um, it, it really comes down to execution. But that, that adage was out there, you know, like, um, uh, uh, it was kind of said like, oh, well, the best thing they could do is throw out 12 pages off their rule book. I was like, well, <laughs> which 12? Well, any of them. And I was like, okay, right. so I agreed to do this. I actually went through and I had, I had my eraser ready. And so like what, <clears throat> what I'm going to try and convince you guys to like cut out of this thing. And I, I, I couldn't find much. Like it, <laughs> it all kind of had to be there. And I think what people don't understand, and I kind of did this on my Instagram here yesterday and I posted it up there just because this is the number one thing I get asked about. Right. Um, like most of the rule book is a structure for a club to host a match. It's not yeah. 113 pages of stuff you need to know to compete. Mm-hmm. To compete, you only need to know is chapter eight, nine, and 10 and 11. If you're yeah. So, um, um like most of it is like the structure of what targets to use what you know what does the range surface have to be like what happens if the target doesn't work like um what are the you know what are the the jobs for match staff you know and who who is 
who's allowed to be those people. Um, that's what's all in there. So it's essentially, I don't know if it's proper use of franchise, but essentially it's a franchise that you can hand to a club. When a club says we want USPSA, you can hand them a book and well, here is how you do USPSA. So when someone from Georgia comes to a match in Arizona, what they see, they recognize as USPSA. The same as when you pull into the Golden Arches and you order a Big Mac, you know what you're going to get. Um, That's ex- so, exactly what the rule set is. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, massaging some stuff, sure. Um, but like there's not really there's not really anything atrocious in there. I think what people are are latching on to has been the human execution of the rules. And yeah. yeah, that can that can always improve. And you know, maybe there was some wrong there along the way, but you know what? That that also, you know, shouldn't necessarily transpose onto other people who are trying to to um to rebrand it. So um I think a lot of the criticisms come down to human execution of the rules, not the rules themselves. Um and this the staging area uh, component of it being a prime example. That's what everyone's really worried about, right? Um, and so, <clears throat> you know, we, we actually talked to DNROI about this. Like, how are we going to do this? Well, um, nearby this range, a good friend of ours that lets us use some of their equipment, they run a um, a, uh, a haunted house event. That's, it's a very elaborate uh, fall festival event. They get thousands of people coming through here. Well, they have they have pallets of these um, these crowd control gates that they let us use. So we're going to bring those gates over there, and so we have gates that are you know four feet high, eight ten feet long. Okay, and that's going to be you know one gate deep and two or three gates long. That's going to be the staging area with open corners. You know, so it's going to be a a very obvious, very generous you know space to to conduct the stuff that we know you have to do with multi-gun equipment. Um, and, um, you know, I think that it's not going to be an issue at all, but it's what people are most worried about. And that just comes down to human execution. Cause yes, we could absolutely make a very small area with a very gotcha fault line and start right. bouncing people if we wanted to, but we don't want to. So we want the opposite. We're just, we just want to want it to be very clear to people where you can and can't do things. Um, because we, you know, under the structure of USPSA, you know, USPSA runs a cold range. So, you know, gun handling does have to happen in designated areas so that that we're conforming with the rules. Um, but we on the administrative level can create accommodating areas to do that stuff. Right. Yeah, we don't want to we really don't want to have people, you know, apprehensive about what they can and can't do in a staging area. And, I, and we massaged our rules to accommodate some of that in this last iteration of the rules. And I, like you said, it comes down to human execution. And unfortunately, a lot of the guys that, that you know, volunteer to work multi-gun for us in the past are not multi-gun guys, right? They're they're pistol guys. So yeah. that they don't really grasp the concept of a preload table with, you know, I, I he put his rifle there. Was, All right. So what? Is the rifle empty? Is it flagged? Is right. it still in the bag? Yeah. Okay. No, it's not hurting anyone. Yeah. It's not it's, hurting it's sitting. It's sitting next to a loaded shotgun. Right. Oh my God. Which is also yeah. not a preloaded anyone. shotgun, Jake. A yeah. preloaded shotgun. A preloaded <laughs> shotgun. Correct. So, right. yeah. And, and that's some of the things We're that you have thing. to do to make your match, you know, run smoothly. I mean, you can you imagine having to make everybody load on the line with their shotgun? That'd be crazy. So it used to happen. It was horrible. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> but <laughs> you know, and and then I think some people have, you know, they've gotten in a in a trouble because I don't think they realized where they were or what they were doing when they were waving their rifle around, like across the pond and maybe down in Frostproof where there were people on the other side. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they're looking at the pond; they're not looking across this, you know, sixty yard wide pond where these other guys are walking. So that's. You know, it's an it's an easy mistake to make, but it's it's not a smart mistake to make. But I think we'll be fine uh, with your description and what you're going to do, as long as it's marked. I mean, and and people use a little bit of common sense going in and out of there. I, I don't think it's a problem. Plus, your staff is going to be more multi gun versed than some of the uh, you know regular USPSA folks that that go to things like that. So yeah, of that I'm very sure we were. Um... And, and please, this is this is not a ding on anyone who's volunteered in the past. Um, I just know that I know our crew. Um, so for the most part, we tried as much as possible this year to use as much of our local people as we could. And then we were we were very specific in who we curated um, to to fill out the roster. So like we knew how many CROs we needed. We knew how many ROs we needed. We looked for people. Uh, who were already that we wanted to use, and then people who weren't that we wanted to use. We wanted we worked with them to try and get them to uh, class this past winter, or there's going to be one right before the match as well. So getting right. getting the people certified, um, and then um, trying as much as possible to transpose the identity of the matches that people are used to us putting on to over into USPSA. Because I mean, at the end of the day, that's why. That's why you guys asked us to put it on is we liked what we do with, with multi-gun and we, we want to bring it, you know, the movement has been for a long time to bring the, bring the, the, the sport together under one umbrella somewhere. Um, and so that was, that was really our goal with all this. So yeah, it's, um, it's very much, it's very much where we're trying to get the three gun people who know, know what three gun is and how to run three gun in a position to, to facilitate this match. So that it looks like something that that multi gunners would recognize um, from from the the popular matches that have been successful uh, to date. Good, good. Yeah, I mean, so going back to like the classification system and stuff. Um, I mean, that's kind of the thing is multi guns kind of just been this like little side thing on USPSA. I mean, we had a provisional rule book until what 2019, 2018. Um, it's now not provisional. Um, but one of the things that most clubs that shoot multi-gun that I know, they want a classification system. They want a way to upload the scores to USPSA. So they get activity credits. You know, they basically want you multi-gun to be treated like we do competition and steel challenge matches. And right. I mean, it needs, we seem, to be. it needs to be. And I think if we, you know, do a little investing at the club level, I think then it's going to grow and bigger matches will happen. Um, oh, right. If we do some support at the club level first and get it. I mean, I, I think there's a whole new opportunity for people who, you know, when PCC was first introduced, it was basically multi-gunners who had PCCs come and shoot USPSA. But then it quickly became PC pistol shooters who wanted a new challenge. They never shot multi-gun, but they got PCCs. And they're like, oh, this is a new challenge. We like it. And, you know, there's times where I'm kind of like, well, PCC pistol would be a good two gun match to maybe get those people hooked 
They already have all the equipment. They know how to handle both the guns. Um, PCC pistol can be shot in any any range where we have um, normal competition matches because you don't need the extra distance on the steel targets for PCC. Um, but I think until you know USPSA kind of embraces multi gun fully instead of you know treating it like the unwanted stepchild. Um, Side hustle. The side hustle, well, yeah. Uh, it won't happen. You know, we need to give like, the club some support on it. And that's like the second biggest question we get because, you know, we run into the, well, you got to be a USPSA member to shoot these championships. And I'm like, well, yeah, it, it is their championship. So you do have to be a member to shoot there. <laughs> but but the question is, what do I get? And I've run, yeah. I've, I've tried to get on board with other organizations too. Well, what do I get for joining? Mm-hmm. Well, you get. You get unity, okay? We're trying to bring everything together. You get consistency. Um, you know, I've I'm fortunate enough that I get to travel all over the country to shoot multi-gun matches, but there's some matches you show up, you don't know what you're gonna get. The yeah. fault lines maybe move, they're not staked to the ground, the ROs aren't consistent, they aren't trained. It's just some guy that they oh well, he's available this Saturday. Um, you know, like that that consistency. That uh, brings it in and, and makes it a more legitimate athletic sport, like like the pistol side is. That's really what what I crave um, for our sport, and that's why I think it's a good thing to bring it in. Um, you know, you get you get a, f- a framework that's not, you know, an invite only Facebook group on Meta. You know that <laughs> that can be, that can be banned. All right, like that, but that's re- like that's how we used to talk to each other pre twenty twenty. That's how we talked to each other was on these Facebook groups. Well, then Facebook decided they didn't want us anymore. Well, we can't talk to each other, you know, like that's a real problem. Um, And, um, you know, it's, it's stuff like that. Um, You know, helping clubs get insurance, you know, to cover events and, and um, all that stuff. That's what we get for, for being a part of the organization. And um, I think the other thing uh, for the outlaw folks out there, they're like, well, like that feel like USPSA has kind of forsaken them. Well, it's like uh, the flip side of that. Like when, when I talk to USPSA people, they, they are, you know, the, the board of directors is supposed to represent their membership. Well, if multi gunners aren't USPSA members, then it's not really on the board to represent them. Like you gotta, you gotta participate. You gotta be a part of this organization for the organization to to um put energy into the sport so that's kind of you know it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing um but um as we put on some of these events and some some of the guys are like well we'll see how that goes well well it's not going to go if you don't participate if if we have to we have to participate in the organization and and demonstrate that we're interested in having a unified athletic sport um to get some of the support that we need for the sport to grow that's an excellent point and I mean, it, it's true, really. So if you, if you, you know, it's you shoot USPSA stuff because you don't like one thing or the other, but then want USPSA to, to represent you and, and to do things for you, then, you know, you really have to get involved. And I, I want to commend you and everybody else this year for stepping up and doing that because I think this is going to be a, a big step forward for USPSA multi-gun. Yeah. And I, I mean, I really believe, it. I mean, that's, that's why I've chosen to to get involved and I plan to get more involved. Like um, 
you know, shameless plug, you know, area five seats coming open next year. I'm running for it. Um, so, you know, I want, I want the organization to represent us and nobody like us is represented on the board right now. So, you know, if, if you want, if you want the organization to be a reflection of your group, you know, somebody from your group has to go forward and participate, um, you know, whether it be at the club level, the section level, the area level, or the national level, participation in the organization is what, what gets these results done. Um, more so than, than, uh, uh, other, other ways of being a squeaky wheel, you know? Right. It's like politics. If you, you know what they always say, if you don't vote, you can't complain. So oh, exactly. Yeah. Well, and if, and if there's no, <clears throat> cause that's as these, you know, as these conversations start happening, people are like, well, do you know anybody from my area that's running? And I'm like, I think I'm talking to them. Well, me, <laughs> well, why not you, you know, like, <clears throat> You know, if you don't like any of the candidates, then I guess that means you're running. Yeah, no one's right. selected, you're elected. That's how this works. It's <laughs> a good one. I think I'm talking to him. Yep. I think you just raised your hand. <laughs> Here's your petition. It's all filled out. Oh, I'll mail it for you. Don't worry. Yeah, I was just joking with someone that we should fill out a petition for a certain, you know, person for to run for an office. I'm like, there's no rule says we can't get the petition and get the signatures for them. <laughs> Would that be yeah. the same, the same person I saw the Facebook for thread about? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, you know, some of the inspiration too, like Jake's talking about the, the board of board of advisors. Um, you know, I, these aren't random people. Um, you know, I tried to get, uh, you know, mainstay influential members of the outlaw free gun community involved. And they're, they're people who run very successful, very well-established events that are getting involved, you know, trying to, trying to bring this whole thing together. It's not just, I mean, it's not just me. It's not just any small group of people. We're trying to get, we're trying to get the whole multi-gun community involved in all of this. Right. So we've got, we've got you, um, Aaron Hayes, who I believe is putting on a match this coming weekend, is he not? Yep. Aaron Hayes is match director of the Texas Three Gun Championship. I would argue it is the the biggest and uh, 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 most prestigious match of the year, uh, comp- competition wise. And, and then uh, Max Lee Grandis is uh, going to be on the committee as well, who is building up the PCSL, um, but has a lot of great ideas around, um, divisions and the stages and, um, you know, even the classification system. So yep. we are, we are definitely trying to do something with multi-cut. Yep. So, and both those guys are both match directors of successful events. Um, and you know, their competitors, Aaron, Aaron was on uh, the three gun nation pro series continues to shoot that. Sport at a high level. Um, Max Leo Grandis is a national champion. Is he a he might even be an international champion? I'm not sure. Um, but um, you know, Max is very competitive at a high level, so they bring both the match director perspective and the competitor perspective. And um, you know, we're we're actively looking for for folks in that that vein uh, to be involved in the conversation. Right. I think that's critical that they have uh, both you know experience in both areas. And I've heard good things about about Aaron's match. Um, I've heard good things about the stuff that Max runs. Uh, so 
yeah, looking forward to to having those guys in there because you need some outside ideas, I think, especially for for a group that, you know, honestly, I used to do some three-gun stuff. In fact, my RM project was a a three-gun nationals that I did back in 97, you know, back when they still had wood-powered shotguns or whatever. So, but it's changed a lot it's evolved a lot and i mean i honestly haven't really shot much multi-gun in the last decade or so so um you know i have ideas about certain things you know rules and things but i mean actual operations and producing stuff it's it's good to get some new voices and some fresh thinking in there yeah i mean my idea that i hope other people steal is i would like I would like area championships to be a pistol match on one weekend and multi-gun match the following weekend, kind of like how the MGM Ironman used to be. That match was so big, they couldn't do it in one weekend. So right. they, they spanned a whole week and then they shot the staff in the middle. Um, I would like to see that that be the, the direction going forward too and have have a series. Of, and part of the reason we, we shoehorned in Area 5 in June was because we wanted the area championship before the national championship. And ultimately I would like to see, you know, a series of area championships that culminate in a national championship. So, um, and I know uh, there's, there's uh, delegations in other areas that are, are subsequently interested in having area championships in their areas too. Um, so if we could get <clears throat> two, three, four of them, um, and then have a national championship later in the summer or the fall, like that's that's starting to be a, a legitimate series, which is which is what um, what I get really excited about and kind of kind of drives me to participate nationally. Right. And it, it's actually, you know, if you have walls and stages set up for a pistol match, they can you can easily like plan how to change them over into a multi-gun match. Yep. With little effort, you know, got added some target stands, maybe add some distance targets for rifle. You know, it can be done fairly easy and here's the thing is that um to sanction a level two or level three match if you wanted to put on you know the midwest multi-gun match or an area two match or an area three or an area five or or six multi-gun match the process is quite simple you you literally get with the area director send them somewhat of a proposal what you want to do fill out the form C on the website. The information goes to Troy. Um, the biggest thing is, is that if you're going to step up, it is going to be the uh, USPSA match that you're offering to put on the ground. Um, but as you said, the rule set really walks you through the process to do that. It's just, I don't think people understand everything's there. Um, so if you've got, a regular match that's out there that's about 95% of what USPSA is, and you want to turn it into the Area 3 multi-gun or the um, Area 6 multi-gun or something like that, we have the ability to help walk you through that. And frankly, it was the easiest part of the process. Like when when we were looking at the Area 5 uh, stuff and we were talking in our small group, they were like, well, who's going to who's actually going to talk to USPSA? I was like, I'll do that. Is that what you're worried about? Yeah, I'll do that. That's, you know, <laughs> that's the least of our problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> we actually, part of that being affiliated with USPSA is we've got some decent structure on some things. 
Yeah. And really, I mean, because we knew, I mean, probably the biggest hurdle I know what the kind of holds back a lot of match directors is, is that you have to submit your stages for approval in a certain amount of time uh, ahead of time, which is certainly outside the realm of what, what I have done in the past. I mean, there's been plenty of matches that I came up with uh, the Wednesday before they, they happened. Um, and so, and then they, and then they took shape during setup. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, but you know, I actually have, you know, there's, there's a great group of guys that in our group that they, they love designing stages. So, you know, we've already had meetings and, and we, we looked at them all and whatnot and submitted them. And if anything, we may be, we may be pulled back 5% from, um, wild and crazy stuff that we've done before, just because, you know, it has to get signed off on and, um, it has to be, you know, uh, a, a national championship, you know, that's kind of the, the ragged edge that you have to run is, is between stuff that's, that's fun and exciting, but, um, fair and consistent to score, you know, um, the, the driving type stages being a prime example is like, how do you do a driving stage and everyone get a fair and equal chance at it? You know, right. so that kind of stuff we maybe pull back on a little bit to run an, an, a USPSA championship. But that doesn't mean it can't be done under the rule set. It's just that, that um, you know, we're, we have to use fair and consistent targets. And, um, like, I remember one target, there was uh, it was kind of a dueling tree type thing at Blue Ridge years ago. And it, you'd shoot it from one side, and it would flip around the back, and then it would drop down. And essentially, you had to pass this thing back and forth until it fell out the bottom. There was some target company that it was a great idea that they cooked up in a garage and they wanted to sell them. So everyone had to shoot it for the match. But once this thing got caked with lead, it wasn't fair and consistent for everyone. So the thing wouldn't necessarily fall out. And um, while it was super fun and super interesting, man, if you had to shoot that thing on Sunday, you were getting screwed. Um, right. So that's the kind of stuff that we pull back on to run on a nationals championship because it's got to be fair and consistent for everyone. Um but other than that, I mean, this is this is three gun. This is this is the sport that that we all know and love. Um, it's just we're we're set up to to crown a national champion, and and that's that's what we're going to do in July. Well, that's really no different than what we do in the handgun. We we pull back from all the you know really weird, exciting stuff that has a high tendency to break at a nationals level because we need everything to run consistently and on time. And, you know, you can get away with stuff at your local matches or even, a, you know, a level two match. You can put in all the, this, the circus stages and, you know, weird things. Um, because if you have a failure, it's not quite as big a deal, but so that's really no different than, than what we do for yeah. regular competition. Just, matches. Yeah. It's just, yeah. I mean, my, my rule of, my rule of thumb for national stages that I've designed and we put on the ground is that you're coming to a shooting match, not who can work the prop, the best match. <laughs> what? No pool noodles. No, <laughs> no giant tractor tires. What's wrong with you? Hi, Sherwin. Oh, oh did, I, yeah. did I not put yeah. those in stage drawings? Did I put those uh, in there? I didn't see them. Yeah. How about the moving wall? <laughs> that, you, that you had to move, you had to move a wall one year and it went with you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, things like that, they're, they're really, really cool. They have, a, they have a place. Um, but 
as we've all sat there and we know stuff like that can bite you in the ass and you can lose a stage. The absolute worst thing that you could ever have happen at a national championship um, is to lose a stage because when you toss a stage, you literally have changed the outcome of the match um, on nothing other than the fact that something failed. It had nothing to do with anybody's shooting ability, which is what you're testing. Practical shooting is testing someone's shooting ability under certain circumstances, not, not, you know, the, the circus has come to town or who could run the farthest, the fastest, and then still shoot. There's, there's games out there for that. Um, and it's not necessarily us. And then we, we've had, I mean, you know, Troy knows that we've had this conversation here recently with the historical society and, and Donna has brought up these questions about, man, back when you used to have the Rhodesian wall and, and you had to holster your gun to run upstairs and jump down things. And it was like, yeah, that was interesting at the time. Um, but we've progressed so much further down the road than that, that um, some of that stuff wasn't safe. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. Some of that stuff <laughs> is not <laughs> right. no longer safe because PCC. I mean, the whole you can reholster your pistol and there still is the rules for obstacles that can be scaled. It's just, we right. don't do it anymore. Right. Well, some of that too is back then nationals was nine, 10, 11, 12 stages. Yeah. Right. 20 not plus. 20 some. Yeah. Well, and it was, it was 150 people, not 500. Right. Um, yeah. That's, you know, the things have changed. Yeah. So, those things are interesting, but you know, like like Adam said, it's it's about the shooting aspect of it, um, and and you want to get people through the match fair and equitably, and that they have a good time and it's safe. And that's really the only time I speak up in the planning stage planning meetings is uh, is it is it fair for everyone, and how are you going to score it? You know, yeah. Um, Lots of lots of really good ideas get rained on, and it's like, how are you going to consistently score that? And then, how are you going to staff it for a long weekend? And I think right. that's a bigger issue in multi gun than it yeah. is in competitions because the stages are usually a lot more real estate. They, you know, you do a lot of uh, early scoring behind the competitor just to keep things moving. And yeah, you, you're 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 going to tire your staff out for sure. Yeah. Well, and your stage clearance times are so different. You know, oh, yeah. it's in a, any handgun match, it's pretty easy to run a three minute clearance time yeah. between shooters. And every multi gun I've ever worked, I mean, I've worked stages where we were thrilled when we had an eight, nine minute clearance time. And, <laughs> you know, that was, and that, that was before we had the timeout rule. Um, but, you know, yeah. people could just shoot forever. And it's like, Dude, they, this is your third stage. You have some more. Are you? Do you have enough rifle ammo to keep shooting at that? Um, you know, so like I know when I was uh, talking with Carr about multi gun, uh, Carl Schmidt, who you know was the area, you know, did handle the area one multi gun for years. I asked him about clearance times. You know, so like USPSA competition, we shoot for three and a half minutes, three minutes per shooter. He said multi gun at least six minutes per shooter. So that's like yep. a double competition, right? And it's true. There's, you know, the 
Loading and making ready multiple guns takes time. Clearing those guns takes time. And then you just have all the different targets and all the other stuff. So you just got to keep that in mind. Right. And then you're talking about your stages. Yeah. You don't want stages where you might have a lot of range equipment failures because then that's another additional six minutes for every reshoot. So, you know, stuff to think about. Right. I mean, some people are like, well, they need to have all these big matches need to have all these gizmos and circus props. It's like they can, but you also got to maybe allow time to reshoot that stage or sit around waiting for the squad ahead of you that got behind to get done. Well, even simple stuff. I mean, I remember the first years we brought LaRue's out and we're using LaRue's at long (laughs) range. There was one hell of a learning curve (laughs) for the organization on how to properly deploy LaRue's. And, you know, it was, you know, you have a LaRue at 400 yards. Well, okay, now they are going to have to have some sort of transportation to get down there and deal with these targets. The logistics just go insane in a huge hurry. And, you know, nothing against LaRue's. I actually like them, but they do have, they, they have some quirks. Yep. And I think um, a lot of the cycle time stuff is stuff that, I mean, that is the pain point for multi-gun matches. I mean, on the club side, what does everyone complain about? Oh, man, you're out there all day to shoot four stages or whatever. Um, And so I think we have uh, worked down uh, somewhat to a science on, on where to make time. I mean, it does take a certain amount of time, but there's also time you can waste. Um, so like the, the expectation of on deck shooters to be ready is I think a lot more strict on the three gun side outside of USPSA. Um, it's more strict on the three gun side than it is what I've experienced in USPSA. So having your stuff ready, ready to go. And then, um, the other choke point is, is clearance on stages. So if, if you have ROs that are, or a stage stage design that insists upon the shooter themselves clearing each one of the guns. Yes, that is going to take way too much time. And um, I don't think it's acceptable for a national level match, honestly. So uh, stages are either designed so that guns can be checked and cleared behind the shooter, or there's other people, you know, RO staff that are going to be designated to do that so that the guns can get cleared out. So the stage reset can happen. Um, And then uh, we also, in our group, when we're designing stages, we, we really, for the field courses, we have an eye towards these stages, um, for, a <clears throat> for a shooter that's going to finish in, uh, the, in the 70 to 80 percentile, uh, we have an eye towards that shooter finishing a stage in 40 to 50 seconds. Um, so we're looking for, we're looking for average times to be around 50 seconds. We're looking for stage wins to be in the low forties or the thirties. Um, because that's how we can keep keep a match like this uh, flowing. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine art to kind of balance it out because you can have an awesome stage in one area that then flows into a, an automatic backup that you know just wasn't being wasn't thought out on how to run it by clearing yep. guns or even just the make ready. How yep. far is somebody has to move to go from? putting the shotgun in one spot all the way over to where the rifle goes, all of that stuff. I mean, it's just time. It's just ticking away. If there's, if there's a downrange staging position for a gun, 
then the on-deck shooter should be waiting there when the reset crew comes back because that thing's getting staged there on the way back and they're heading back. Um, The long-range rifle stage, probably not going to have very elaborate shotgun or pistol on it, if at all, um, because everyone you know goes to war on the you know the long range stage always turns into the backup yes. stage um yeah. you know so it's it's that kind of stuff where you mean um iron man was the coolest match that ever was and they did all that kind of stuff but like i mean it was it it did back up like some of those i mean the slide stage always backed up because it was right. a monster long range stage and then there was a bunch of shit to do too so right. well i mean that's that's a good common sense approach to it. Yeah. I think the best part of this is, is that um, there's three gunners putting on the three gun nationals for USPSA and we're, we're here to help assist. So the opportunity to really show where this can go is here this year. Um, again, thank you, Adam, for really stepping up and the crew that's up there at Horse Lake and the crew that's up in Wisconsin uh, for, for kind of grabbing the reins and, and being like, hey, right, new crew, new location, let's see what we can do. So now we need people to sign up um, to kind of fill the matches up a little bit more. I think you're 100 and you're 130 and 100, like 130 multi-gun nationals and 100 for the two-gun, somewhere around in there. So registration's open. If you've got questions, Adam, if you want to tell them how to get a hold of you. Um, best way to get a hold of me, um, uh, Facebook Messenger or um, Instagram, three gun Amax, three gun underscore Amax on uh, Instagram. Or uh, I'm also I'm also chained to a, an email. So if you want to email me at work, you're not bothering me. It's uh, Amaxwell at vortexoptics.com. Uh, you can email me there as well. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you that I enjoyed my visit to your facility up there to do those uh, two seminars we did. Um, Jay enjoyed it as well. Very nice place. Appreciate you guys helping us out. Even though we had some issues with the food service and stuff, it was great to to get that worked <laughs> out. A unique experience. <laughs> it was quite unique. Yeah. But I've never I've never been to a Dunkin' Donuts that was closed like that. It was like it's just shut. I mean, don't they drink coffee and eat donuts in Wisconsin? So, cheese man cheese cheese <laughs> so but it was awesome uh and you know i'm i'm like jake said i'm looking forward to working with you guys in july and anything we can do for you ahead of that just let us know happy to help yeah we're we're super pumped on the opportunity um to to represent our area and put on a a match and uh you know i'm i'm the guy that gets pushed to the front to talk about it but i'm i'm just a project coordinator uh there there's an entire group of people behind me bringing this match to you so it's not just me it's you know it's a crew of about 12 people for for both matches um that are that are trying to to make this happen and and um, bring these these championships to uh the uspsa community cool sounds like you have a really good handle on it and it's going to be exciting to see how that works out um i was part of the group that helped craft the first true multi-gun rule set for USPSA back in the early 2000s. And it's uh, been interesting to watch the evolution. So I'm really excited to see what this brings. All right. Well, anybody got anything else or we want to pull the curtain on this thing? I think that sounds like a curtain pull. 
thanks everybody for <laughs> listening in. Uh, and thanks to Jake and Adam for joining us this evening, as well as Jody and Troy. Again, if you have questions uh, for the podcast or just rules questions in general, rules at USPSA.org, and we'll get you an answer. And if we like your question, we may even use it on the podcast. So good night, everyone, and thanks for your participation. Good night. Good night. Good night.